You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Church, how are you guys? Yeah, you look beautiful today, might I say? This is a good-looking congregation. So glad that you're here. We're going to have fun today. Uh, Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. We're continuing in our series called Greater, focusing on who is this man? Jesus from Nazareth coming to earth, walking around. Who is this man that is greater than anything that we've ever seen before? And so as we dive in, tell me this, when was the last time that you made it back to your hometown? Come on, all right, shout it out, where's hometown, where's home? Where's your hometown? Yep, okay, yep, okay, Uh uh-huh, what else, hometown? You're at the eastern shore. Great, all right, I love it, anyone else? Jersey, Joysy, all of it, yo, Joysy, the Doity Water Dogs down there, I love it. All right. When was the last time you went home? When was the last time you've made it back to your hometown? And what was it like? What was it like when you went and you, you went to the old grocery store that you remember going to as a kid? Right? And everything feels a little bit smaller, doesn't it? How many of you, like me, you go to your hometown and you drive by the high school, you see the stadium, and you can still hear the pep band playing, Right? Eye of the tiger, don't I'm just telling you, it's there, right? What is it like when you go back home? How many of you are shocked by all the improvements and the upgrades and the renovations, right? And you're like, why would you get rid of the Dunkin' Donuts? Not the Dunkin' Donuts, right? And just tearing things down just to tear them down. Or maybe you go back home and nothing's changed, right? Not a single improvement. And it's almost like eerie, like the twilight zone. And you're like, it's as if I never even left. What is it like when you go back home? I tend to have a, a, a twinge of nostalgia. I get a little melancholy. Um, I'm the kind of dude, I can't even watch home videos because it makes me sad. Anybody else like that? I don't know what it is. I'm like, babe, I can't watch it. She's like, this is from yesterday. I'm like, I know. Too soon. Or maybe you go home and you just are like, dude, I am glad I got out of here. All right, there's no nostalgia. You're just like, thank the Lord. What is it like when you go home? What is it like when you see people that have known you since you were this high, right? You walk into that person in the grocery store and you realize, dude, I'm never going to graduate beyond the little kid that they knew all those years ago, right? Or maybe you you see somebody and they are so proud of all of the achievements. They're proud for all you've done and all you've become because, oh, little Johnny, right? Or maybe you have someone from your hometown who's famous. Anybody have any famous people? Any hometown heroes? And you're like, well, in my town, the national hot dog eating champion of America was born in 1923. Like, that's like a claim to fame, right? That's like, welcome to Easton, (laughs) Home of the 1923 hot dog champ, right? Hometown hero. What is it like when you go home? Man, can you imagine what it would have been like if you grew up in the same hometown as Jesus? Right? Nazareth. Back there in ancient Israel. What was it like when Jesus, right? Talk about hometown hero, right? 
And all the kids are like, yeah, well, Jesus is coming back, right? Miracle-working, crowd-producing, traveling preacher. He comes back to the hood. Surely, if there was ever a hometown hero, it's your boy Jesus, right? So this morning, for the next few moments, we're going to escort Jesus back home. We get to see the reception that Jesus is given as he comes back to ground zero, where it all started, in Nazareth. And so as we accompany him back home, there's two things that I want you to do. Number one, I want you to pay attention to the people, okay? I want you to look at the reception that the people are giving him. How do they receive him? And then how will you receive him, right? So that's number one, pay attention to the people. And number two, pay attention to his plan. Pay attention to what he does when he gets there. Pay attention to what he does when he leaves there. Are you guys ready for the hometown hero? Are you ready for Jesus to come home? Santa's coming. Here we go. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. This is God's word for East Point Church. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went about among the villages teaching. The first thing we learn from this word is that familiarity can be the enemy of faith. Familiarity can be the enemy of faith. And so Jesus is here. He's traveling from town to town. This is what he does. He's a traveling teacher, and so he's going from town to town. This is his custom, and he's telling the story that the kingdom is here, and the king is calling. The kingdom is here, and the king is calling, and so he's preaching this message everywhere he goes. And so his itinerary, his traveling agenda, brings him through Nazareth, his hometown, where once again, as his custom, he is teaching in the synagogue. Now, how many of you would say you grew up in a small town? Small town living? All right, so you're going to get this, right? In a small town, everyone knows everyone, right? So Jesus comes, and they know him. Like, they really know him. They have known him for a long time. They know where he's from. They know his mom. They know his brothers. I love that, like, they list their names as if to show. They don't just know of him. No, no, they know him. You're James' brother. You're Joseph's brother, right? They say, look, we're right here crocheting right now with his sisters. Like, we know who this kid is. They probably grew up sharing meals together. They went to synagogue together. Some of Jesus' Sunday school teachers were probably there in the synagogue. They remember when he was born. They remember when he started to toddle all over the place, right? They watched him grow up, grow a beard, see him take his first apprenticeship as a carpenter. They know Jesus. They know this kid. And now this kid has come here to challenge us? 
What? Oh, Jesus, you're here to lecture us? Jesus is showing up in his town where they know him, and he's calling them to repent. He's talking as if he's some king from a kingdom, as if they don't know he's from two doors down. What are you talking about? He says they're triggered. You're trying to teach us? Mark says it very clearly. They took offense at him. As if this kid has something to teach us that we don't already know. You think you're better than us, Jesus? We've been going to synagogue since before you were born. And so this hometown, they don't respond to him in faith. They don't believe that he's some mighty king. Friends, if you can see the thought bubble from their head, it would say, psh, it's just Jesus. (laughs) It's just Jesus. And so Jesus, he explains what is happening here. He says, this is par for the course. This is a typical prophet's reception in his own hometown. He says, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Everywhere the prophets would go, people would heed them. People would listen. They would respect them. They would honor the message. Everywhere a prophet goes, he's received except in his hometown. And why is that? Because familiarity, the shared background, has blinded them. And so rather than seeing who Jesus is in front of them, all they can see is the picture of Jesus that they have in their head. They're not seeing him with fresh eyes and an open heart. In their minds, he's never graduated from, dude, he's just a carpenter kid. He's never graduated in their esteem. Hey, guys, it's just Jesus. That's Mary's boy. How many of you are still referenced in a small town? Hey, you're Joe's kid, right? Like, I'm an adult, 52 years old. Oh, that's Joe's boy. Oh, you're Mike's nephew. Oh, you're Mary's boy. They don't see him for who he is. It's just Jesus. And so familiarity, it keeps those who have known him the longest. It even says among his relatives, in his own household. Remember a few chapters ago in chapter 3 that even his own mother and brothers were like, yo, enough is enough. Let's go get Jesus out of there. He's crazy. He hasn't even eaten in days. Yo, Jesus, time to go. Remember, even they didn't believe. Those who have known him the longest, it has kept them from listening closely. It keeps them from seeing Jesus for who they are. And so they respond with unbelief. You see, friends, familiarity can be the enemy of faith. How many of you are familiar with Jesus? How many of you have been in this thing for a long time with Jesus? There's a warning for us here, isn't there? There's a caution here, senior saints, for those of us who are mature in the faith, that those of us who have grown up in this, for those of us who have known Jesus for a long time, warning, familiarity can breed an unteachable spirit. There can come a point in our lives where we stop letting Jesus show us himself. We stop letting Jesus speak for himself because in our minds, the picture of who we think Jesus is, is already fixed. And so Jesus, he can't teach us. He can't show us new things that we don't know because in our minds, there isn't anything that we don't know. And so if Jesus comes and he presumes to teach us something, 
if he presumes to send fellow disciples or leaders or pastors or teachers to teach us something that we don't know, we get prickly. We take slight offense to it. And rather than responding with the posture of a curious and hungry disciple, we respond with the posture of the offended. Don't you know how long I've known Jesus? You're trying to teach me something in community group? Do you know how many community groups I've led in my life? Do you not know my ministry experience? Have you not seen my Christian resume? Oh, clearly you don't know. You see, friends, the longer that you've been a follower of Jesus, the more imperative it is to come to him every day and to let him keep our awe and wonder alive. Lord, keep our hunger and our curiosity as deep as possible. Maybe you haven't been a follower of Jesus for a long time. You're relatively new to this thing, right? But you are familiar with the Jesus story. You grew up, you know the Bible stories. You know the religious stereotypes. You know the religious characters. Like, you, 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 I've been there, done that, seen that. I know it. I know it's there. You're familiar. Well, the same question applies to you. Are you settled on the picture of Jesus that you've created in your head? Or will you let him speak for himself? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to let him show himself to you and to challenge the pictures and presuppositions that you have in your mind, even if it's not who you thought it would be? Lord, keep us from the familiarity that closes our hearts and minds. Amen? Lord, keep us from replacing our awe of you with a, it's just Jesus, mentality. And so this is how they respond. They're familiar, right? They don't believe. And we see that their unbelief is a hindrance to Jesus' ministry. For the last several weeks, we've seen what Jesus does in response to faith. Remember Jairus and his daughter? And she died. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. The woman who's bleeding for 12 years, hope against hope, and yet she comes in faith and she believes. Jesus transforms lives in response to faith. When we come to him believing who he said he is, and then we see that he does what he says he would do. Jesus changes people's lives in response to faith. But there's no faith here. They don't respond by trusting in him. They don't believe him. This kind of faith is absent. And so while we saw great works of God in those previous towns, here it says there was no mighty work there. We've seen crowds flocking to him and him responding. But here, there were only a few people, only a handful of people who came to him with faith and got healed. But on the whole, not much receptivity. Not a lot of trust in Jesus. And we've seen for weeks now, people marvel. Wow. They've marveled in amazement at Jesus. Well, it's his turn to be amazed now. It says here that he marveled because of their unbelief. What a, a, a beautiful way to write it. They were all amazed. Now Jesus is amazed. His jaw has dropped. He is stunned by the lack of faith in his hometown. And all he can do is just shake his head, and be shocked, and keep going. It says here, 
and he went about among the villages teaching. Jesus didn't stop. Jesus wasn't discouraged by the lack of faith. He wasn't discouraged by their reception or their lack of reception toward him. He just kept going. Because, you see, Jesus understood that his priority was obeying the Father and going on mission regardless of the results. He was concerned with faithfulness to the mission, not the results of the mission. And so he just keeps going. And he'll continue to do it regardless of the responses. Welcome home, Jesus. Sound like a hometown hero to you? This was huge. This is a key point in the book of Mark. This was a lesson that all of the disciples who are following him, as they see this reception to Jesus, they're going, really? And it's as if Jesus is turning, he goes, good. I wanted you to see that. I want you to remember this moment. I want you to realize how I was received on my mission because now it's time to send you on yours. And so we see here in verse 7, he's about to send them out on a mission. And if that's how the leader is received, what might it mean for his followers? Let's check it out. And he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no money, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. We see from our passage here that Jesus advances his plan by sending his people. Jesus is advancing his plan. He's perpetuating his mission through his people. And so we see here that he comes and he sends them out two by two. Remember, up to this point, Jesus, he's saying, follow me. We go to the next town. Follow me, right? They're going town to town. Jesus leads, they follow. But now he sends them up, he partners them in pairs, and he sends them out to the next town on their own. Time out. Excuse me, master. Time out. Oh, wait a minute. This is not how we do it. You go, and then we follow you. You teach and we take notes. This is how the internship works, right? And he says, this is something new. He's now staying back. And he goes, all right, what's next on our itinerary? Galilee, go get them. And they're going, what? Is this the final exam? What is happening here? Friends, this is new. And this is huge. Right here in this moment, we see his master plan. Jesus is preparing them to carry on the mission even after he is gone. This is his purposeful initiative. This is his strategic master plan that Jesus Christ will perpetuate his movement by sending his people on his mission. Do you see, friends? He's not going to be on earth forever. And so he needs to start training them now. Welcome to the internship, right? And so he's preparing them to go without his physical presence on earth. 
And so he's pouring himself into them. Everything that he has shown them up to this point was for their benefit so that they would be prepared to carry it on. It's their turn to go town to town, preaching the gospel, confronting evil, making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples until the entire world is reached. This is his plan for creating a movement that would take over the globe and last long after he departed. And so their time has come. They've been a part of this immersive internship, and now he's calling their number. He's sending them in the game. Go and do what you have seen me doing. And so he sends them, but look what he gives them. He sends them in pairs, so he's given them partnership, but he's also given them power. It says here, he gave them authority. Authority, we've seen that word a lot. Jesus arrived on the scene, and he demonstrated the authority of a king. He demonstrated the powerful inbreaking of the kingdom of God everywhere he went. And so now he has deputized the 12. Gives them a badge, right? And he says, go with authority. Go in my power as extensions of the king's authority. Go in my name and take back ground from the kingdom of darkness. He gives them a PhD. Preach, heal, and deliver. Go. He doesn't say that they have power inherent in them. He doesn't say, you're now mini-Jesuses and you're also kings. No, 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 it's not their power. They don't have the power and authority to change the world. But they've been given the authority of the one who made the world. And so he says, when my followers walk into a room, when my people stroll into a neighborhood, when my church enters into a community, it's as if I myself have just walked in. He's saying, followers, when you go somewhere, it's as if the unclean spirits are put on notice because it's as if I myself have just showed up. You see, the disciples would not always have his physical presence, but they would always have his delegated authority. Followers of Jesus, East Point Church, listen to me. We are sent ones. Part of our calling as followers of Jesus, first and foremost, we are called to come and be with him. But you're also called to go and help others be with him. Whoa, I mean, I don't know, man. I haven't really studied, read, educated. I mean, it's just me. And I'm supposed to, I don't know, Sam, I don't know. But this is what it says. To be a follower of Jesus is to have the responsibility, nay, the privilege, right? To have the awesome honor of going and carrying the simple gospel message. We are called to just go and tell the simple Jesus story and help others obey him. We are sent ones. And just like the disciples, you are not sent in your own strength and power. Just like the disciples, we have been given authority and power. It's called the Holy Spirit. Look what he says in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Friends, when you put your faith in Jesus, it's not simply this transactional change of status. 
thank you. It's not just, I've updated my status on my Instagram. I guess I'm a Christian now. No, it is supernatural. When you put your faith in Jesus, he baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. He gives you his spirit and his presence so that when you go, he can accurately say, I am going to. I am with you. And he sends us in power. Sends us to Jerusalem, a sisterhood. And then Judea, well, that's your state. And then Samaria, that's your region. There is increasing geographical influence. Why? Because God sends us in his authority, in his power. And so he sends us on his mission with partnership, sends us on his mission with power, and he sends us on his mission with his provision. Look at these instructions he gives him. Kind of weird, right? He says, all right, go. Oh, one more thing. Uh, you're not going to need that. Leave the bread here. Oh, and you know what? That suitcase, it's not even going to fit in your overhead. Don't worry about the carry-on. Leave that here. You're not going to need to change your clothes. And uh, your money, like they're strapping up their money right now to their money vest. And they're like, yeah, you won't need that either. Leave the money. And they're like, what? Just go. go. You got sandals on? Check. You got a tunic on? Check. That's all you need. The shoes on your feet and the clothes on your back. I want you to go on this assignment. And he sends them out like that. Yo, this internship just got real, huh? They're like, is this the final? They're like, no, it's not even the midterm, bro. Just brace yourself. It's going to get real. In this exercise, on this assignment, I want you to learn. I want my followers that I'm sending into, into the world, I want you to learn how to have your heart and your mind fully focused on the mission, not on the earthly needs of life. Okay? Following me and helping others follow me is to become the chief priority of your life. Not food, not money, not clothes. And you can just hear their reservations, right? Because I know some of you have reservations right now too. That's normal. You can hear their reservations. Uh, Jesus, like, uh, if we don't worry about these things, then who will? You know what I mean? If we don't take care of these things, then how are we going to eat? How are we going to have enough money? How are we going to have clothes? Jesus, hello, help us out here. What are your reservations? What are the things in your heart right now and in your mind when I say, hey, you're called to go, and you go, oh, but think about those. Jesus knows them already, and he said, dress them already. And so he says, we see this in Matthew chapter 6, he says elsewhere, don't worry about money, food, clothes, water, houses. Why? Because your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Jesus is teaching us, as you pursue his mission, he'll provide your needs. As you pursue his mission, as this kingdom-expanding movement it becomes the chief priority of your life, he'll help everything else. Friends, this passage challenges us this morning. Have our pursuits of our earthly needs eclipsed the mission? as the utmost priority of our lives. And I say our friends, affluent America, have our earthly needs eclipsed the mission as the utmost priority of our lives. You see, when Jesus sends them out like this, he is challenging them and he's challenging us on our priorities. What is the most important thing to you? And do you trust him? Do you trust him to make ends meet 
while we make following him the chief end of our lives. So he sends them with his provision. And here's what's beautiful, friends. How will he provide for them? God often provides it through the hospitality of the people to whom he sends you. He says, look, you're going to go there. And you're going to be welcomed in. There's, there are going to be people who listen and are receptive. And they're going to provide for you. Right? As you go as missionaries, you're going to find people who welcome you into their home, into their guest room, treat them like a beachhead for that town. Okay? And he says, enter it and stay there. Don't go house to house. Don't try to make accommodations. I have put them there to provide for your needs as you go as missionaries. And so take them up on their hospitality. You'll have what you need there because I'm providing for you. And so are you ready, friends? Ready to go? He's sending you out in partners. He's sending you out with his power. He's sending you out with his provision. Go get him. Just go. Ready? Everybody stand. We're going to end it here. And <laughs> that would be a pretty epic conclusion, though. Come on, be real, right? Like, you'll never forget that one. Like, he just dismissed us to change the world. No, we have what we need. But there's one thing you can't forget. Don't forget the lesson that we learned back in Jesus' hometown. Go with his power. Go with his provision. Go with your partner. But don't forget, just like that thickening shampoo that doesn't seem to be working, the results may vary. Come on, I know I'm not the only one, right? The results may vary. And so he says, you may find yourself in a situation where they will not receive you. Not every town will greet you. Not every town will host you and be receptive to your message. Friends, you may even be run out of town for your message. And so in those instances, don't fret. Don't be discouraged. Don't quit. Simply shake off the dust that is on your feet. This is a symbolic demonstration. This is a prophet's act that they would do. Similar to what we're doing. Hey, wipe my hands of it. Except they would say, hey, let's wipe our feet of it. This demonstration was a way of saying, you have rejected the mercy and grace of God. Hey, that's on you now. I'm leaving as you wish. And if there's ever a day where you're crying out on judgment day for grace and mercy, the dust itself will be a witness against you that grace himself has already passed through these parts and you've rejected him. Don't be discouraged. Just shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. That's the new shuffle. We're going to do it, all right? The missionary shuffle in church. Daniel's already writing us some lyrics. It's crazy. It's powerful. It's going to change your life. Just keep going. Just like Jesus kept going. Because even though the town may reject you, remember, there was still a handful, wasn't there? There was still a handful of people who responded in faith because God will always have a remnant. And I don't see that as a discouraging fact. I see that as encouraging. He's guaranteeing us victory in the end. No matter the rejection, there will be a discipleship core that endures. Jesus is greater than rejection. And this movement will not be thwarted. This movement will not be snuffed out. Everywhere the gospel is preached, we are told there will at least be a remnant. What an encouraging message and reminder for a growing church. Not everyone will respond in faith. And so they go out and they do it. They go and they proclaim that people should repent. They go 
and they shared the exact same message that they've heard Jesus do dozens and dozens of times. The kingdom is here, and the king is calling. They go out and they just share the simple gospel message that we were created to live with God and for God, but even though we've rejected God, he's come back for us, and all who repent, all who just turn and put their faith in him are brought back into his family, and it works. They share the simple message, and look what happens as they're scattering the seed, as they're proclaiming the message, as they're doing all of the things that they've seen their master do. What happens? Two things. They cast out many demons, and the many who were sick were healed. Cast out many demons, and many who were sick were healed. Have we seen this before? Man, does this sound familiar to you? Have we seen those two things anywhere? Oh yeah, Everywhere. This is exactly what Jesus has been doing. This is exactly what we're seeing. The Jesus movement has continued, except there's one thing. Jesus wasn't there. The exact same results, the exact same movement, the exact transformation in that community took place, but Jesus wasn't even there. He was in the town before. And Mark is drawing our attention to this startling realization. They didn't miss a beat is what he's trying to say. Why? Is it because they now have reached Jesus' status? Do they have the power inherent in them? No. But they went preaching his gospel in his power, in his name. And every time we go and do that, we can have the utmost confidence that Jesus' power is present with his people. Jesus' power is present with his people. He wasn't physically there, but his authority went with them. The mission of this king has been entrusted to his followers. He is carrying it on through us. We need to realize this. His plan for, is to extend the reach of his message through us. As we go, it's Jesus who is going. As we preach, it's as if Jesus is preaching. As we confront evil in the name of the kingdom, it's his authority and his power present everywhere and every time the gospel is proclaimed. Friends, as we reach the eastern shore, as we walk out these doors and step on the eastern shore, it is King Jesus himself bringing the shore under his rule and reign. His power is present with his people. He's perpetuating the mission of the kingdom through those who follow the king. And so go, right now, go, get out, go do it, right? That's what it is, and he's with us. I wanna end with a story here, that, um, and you guys will get to know me a little bit better through this, but when I was a junior in high school, there was a sermon that changed my life, and I'll never forget it. I was in youth group, and, and I remember I'm sitting there, and they're preaching, and the text that my youth pastor was preaching was the Great Commission. Anybody familiar with the Great Commission? Matthew chapter 28, and this is what it says. This is what he preached. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so I'm sitting there, I'm junior in high school, you know what I mean, 16 years old, and as he's preaching, I'm feeling it, like there's something happening in my heart, you know what I'm talking about? And it's stirring, and I feel like he's talking to me, 
And at the end, he, respond, he, he calls for a response. He says, and so who will go? Who will go? And in my heart, I was just like, that's me. And I, I'm just, you know, I don't even care who else is in the room. I get up, I walk to the front. I'm kneeling down at the front of the room there where he's teaching, and I'm crying. And I got this vision, not like vision, vision, not like, whoa, more like a picture in my head, right? Like Sam has an overactive imagination. Picture this, right? And I'm picturing myself at the end of my days walking through the gates of heaven. And I look behind me, and I see all my boys, all my dudes, all my homies, from school, and they're looking at me with disbelief going, dude, you never told us? Man, I, so this, I still see that picture of sitting there, and that was the picture God gave me, and I'm sitting there, and I'm praying, and I said, Lord, I'll do it. Lord, I'll, I'll tell them. I'll go. If you give me an opportunity, I promise I'll take it. I go home. So, my friends, honest to God, I go home, I'm in biology honors, first period, homeroom. I remember the details, Mr. Nail, right? Best teacher. And I'm sitting there, and my homie Chris is sitting right next to me. Honestly, God, and he looks at me and goes, bro, do you ever wonder if God is real? I was like, not yet, God. Not yet. Too soon. It was like 12 hours ago. I didn't even think it got up there yet. You know what I mean? They're working fast on those knee mails. And he goes, do you ever, bro, I still remember, he's like, bro, do you ever wonder if God is real? And I, it was like an out-of-body experience, and it was just that moment where you obey. And I just said, dude, I think we should talk. That's all I said. I think we should talk. And so we met up after school. I remember we're sitting in the band room, and, and we're sitting there, and I just told him the simple story. And I said, dude, here's what I believe. I believe that we were created to be in relationship with God, to live with him and for him. But all of us, by birth and by choice, that we all, dude, like we messed up, man. You messed up? Yeah, I messed up. Me too, right? And we messed up. But here's the good news, that God, he didn't give up on us. He actually came and gave us a second chance in his son, Jesus. And all who put their faith in him, he brings us back into his family. And I just told him the simple story. And he ended up coming to youth group with me and learning more. And, and we were talking after school. So that, to this day, he'll text me every once in a while, dude, pray for me, man, I'm going through it, you know? Just shared the story. And that story has had a profound impact on my life because I realize now, because of that moment, because of that 12-hour prayer and answer, I realized a few things. Number one, Jesus wants me to do this. I mean, he... If, if he didn't make that clear, Jesus wants us to tell the story and make disciples. Number two, I realized that Jesus will make doors open. He will provide opportunities. I didn't sit there on Wednesday night going, all right, well, Jesus, what's my plan? Well, maybe I should do this. Well, let me think. And if I tell this person, all he said, hey, I'll take care of the details. Are you willing? That's what he wanted to know. He'll open doors. And then the third thing that I always draw from that story is that he doesn't require perfection. He didn't say to this junior in high school, all right, you're ready? Great, we're going to go get you educated for eight years, and then after a few internships and residencies, then you can share. He goes, all right, how about tomorrow? What? Yeah, just let's try. It's an internship. You're not expected to be perfect. Just walk with him. He'll train you. And then he'll send you, and he goes, all right, your turn. You try it now. And you're like, what is happening? Friends, will you tell the story? Will you embrace your identity as a sent one? Will you go with full confidence and faith and courage knowing that his power is present with his people? So here's what I want you to do. East Point Church, we got some homework. 
all right? You're like, don't do that. I'm doing it, all right? Number one, number one, I want you to practice. You've seen me do this a few times, right? This is my own simple thing. I'm a pastor. I have education. I've been doing this for a decade. I still do it in my head. This is the story we were created to be with him and for. Let me see it. Show me. Let me do a little practice here. Boom. There it is, right? We're created to be with him, but all of us, we have sinned. We have broken away from God. We want to be our own God. But what did God do? He pursues. He comes on a rescue mission, and he calls us to turn. He calls us to repent. He calls us to declare him to be the king of our heart. And when we do this, it is finished. He brings us into his family. Practice that. Practice it in the mirror. Practice it with your spouse. Practice it with your kids. Do whatever you have to do. Practice telling the story. And then I want you to pray. And I want you to pray a bold prayer. I want you to say, Lord, if you give me an opportunity, I'll do it. If you give me an opportunity, you don't just preach a sermon. I can tell the story in the elevator in 10 seconds, right? I could preach about that for an hour. I could preach about it for a minute. Lord, if you give me an opportunity to just tell the simple story of Jesus, I'll do it. And if my story is any indication, friends, he wants you to, and he'll take you up on that. And what will be the cumulative effect as a people that are growing in faith now step out in boldness to have a growing influence? It's called the growing influence of a growing people. The eastern shore will never recover and the kingdom of God will prevail. Amen? Amen. Lord, I pray for my friends, I pray for myself that you would send us in power, with boldness, in provi- with your provision. I pray for gospel partnership that you would even link up people in this community, community group leaders and life group leaders. Just bring people together who can find partnership to go and make disciples. And Lord, I pray for the soil in this community, that there would be soft hearts, fertile soil, cultivate the soil of people's hearts, Lord, so that as we plant and scatter the simple Jesus story, there would be much fruit, an abundant harvest. Lord, I know that everywhere the gospel is preached, there is just an, uh, an explosion of life transformation, that the gospel detonates life change. I pray that that would be so in this community. We love you, Lord. Be glorified in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.